0: Welcome to the Spooky Electric podcast by me, Trent Finnegas. You need another podcast like you need another hole in your head. So here we go. Okay, so it's time for another episode of Spooky Electric. And for this week's episode, uh, the subject, the subjects are ones that I've been kicking around for a couple of weeks now. The idea for this episode has been ruminating in my head for a little bit now. And the fact that um, pop queen Kylie Minogue has announced that she is releasing a new album and she has released a new single um, kind of makes this episode a little bit more um, timely. So, the subject matter, or the subjects of this episode, uh, is the British production team made up of Mike Stock, Matt Aiken, and Pete Waterman. Now, if you are familiar with um, Stock, Aiken, Waterman, PWL, the record label, um, or the British Motown, which was referred to as the hit factory in the late 80s, then you definitely know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then I think that a lot of uh, the information that I talk about will be new to you, hopefully interesting, and may inspire you to seek out not only the songs that I talk about in this episode, but the other songs that uh, this uh, production team has put out over the years. Now, um, I never really had a uh, sense of, like, songwriters and music producers for most of my uh, music-enjoying life. Obviously, as a kid, you don't really pay attention to that kind of thing. Well, at least I didn't. Um, Of course, I would, um, you know, read the liner notes and learn the lyrics and look at the pictures... I may have noticed the song, the 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 people who wrote the songs, but it wasn't something that really stuck in my head, except for um, two of my favorite artists when I was very young, Kylie Minogue and Rick Astley. They both um, benefited greatly from the production team of Stock Ake, and Waterman, and I did notice that all most if not all of their songs were written by this team. And to be honest, a lot of the songs sound very similar. So that is part of some of the criticism that they got, but I will get down to that uh, in in a minute. A lot of what I'm talking about is kind of facty, and I'm kind of just going to be reading some information to try and just bring... Uh, you up to speed or to at least illuminate what I'm trying to convey with why I feel like these, uh, this production team is so, is so interesting and, and, and just great. So Mike Stock and Matt Aiken were the songwriters and they partnered up with uh, Pete Waterman, who is was the producer and the investor. So he's the guy with the money. Uh, the trio had great success from the mid 80s, into the early 90s and uh, Saw, stock Aikman Waterman, is considered to be one of the most successful songwriting and producing partnerships of all time. They scored more than 100 UK top 40 hits. They sold 40 million records and earned an estimated 60 million pounds, which translates to about $104 million. Uh, the team started producing underground club hits, but earned worldwide success with the mix of high NRG influenced music, um, with like romantic Motown sounding lyrics and Italiano disco melodies. Their musical style was referred to as Eurobeat. Um, the The men met in January of uh, or they met in in. The early '80s, and in January nineteen eighty four, after meeting um, Stock and uh, Stock and A- Aiken, Waterman asked them to work with him on his recently formed production company. So, uh, Waterman had the money, and he was putting together this production company, and he asked uh, Mike Stock and Matt Aiken to join him, and then they became their part, their their little trio partnership. Um, High energy music um, was known at the time as like the fastest music in the world. This is where the 128 beats per minute like thing came from. It was very futuristic sounding. It was really fresh at the time. And it was like the pop successor to disco, which had died out in, in the 70s and then rock took over. But then by the mid to late 80s, that kind of dance pop music was coming back into vogue. Um, and it was referred to as high energy and, and uh, stock Aikman Waterman were kind of like the innovators of that sound at the time. Uh, they had, they wrote a song called you think you're a man, which was recorded by uh, the drag queen divine in 1984. And it was a massive hit. Um, they had produced a, uh, some more songs that were like making waves on the radio. And Pete Burns from Dead or Alive decided he wanted to work with them because he really liked the sound of the music that they were putting out. So um, they wrote, uh, sorry, Pete Burns wrote uh, You Spin Me Around Like a Record and took it to uh, stock Aikman Waterman and they produced it, remixed it, and made it the song that we know now and it became their first uh, number one single in the UK in March of 1985. Um, As a result uh, they had more and more success and they started their own record label PWL and uh, the rest is history. Uh, Bananarama was the first big group to approach stock Aikman Waterman once uh, they started having all the success, and they collaborated on uh Banana Rammers co- Banana Rama's cover of the Shocking Blue song Venus, which is one of their biggest hits. Um, and then after the success of that song, Stock Aikman, Waterman became Banana Rama's main producers and went on to collaborate on some of their greatest hits, including I Heard a Rumor and tons of other songs. Um, their usual method for creating music was first to write the songs and then have anybody just plop in and sing the vocal. Um, many of the early acts like Dead or Alive and Banana Rambo wrote their own music, but their whole their whole they were called the Hit Factory because they would write a song, they would record it piecemeal with like synthesizers, drum machines, sequencers, and they would just put the pieces together to make the song. And the only thing missing was the vocal and they could have just anybody sing the vocal. Um, For example, Kylie Minogue and Mandy Smith both recorded uh, the song got to be certain the song is exactly the same for both of them, except for the vocals. So the, the, the components of the songs are put together and then the vocal is recorded and just plugged in and then that's the song. And then it could either be sung by someone else or if it doesn't work out, for example, Mandy Smith, for whatever reason, the song didn't work out for her. They just plopped out her vocal, put in Kylie's and it became a Kylie Minogue song. And that's kind of like how they worked. Um, Their prodigious production line-like output and similar song structures led to them as being referred as the hit factory. Um, And because of this um, kind of assembly line type of of music making, they attracted criticism from many quarters. Um, The Guardian newspaper unflatteringly dubbed the team schlock aimless and watered down which is hilarious if not completely juvenile um but they defended their style by comparing it to the output of motown in the 1960s they were actually referred to as the british motown and pete burns um famously called kylie minogue their diana ross so just like motown would um put together these songs and then plug in singers here and there. That's exactly what Stock Aikman Waterman did in the 80s. Um, They took a lot of flack once they started getting popular. Everybody started lambasting them, including Kylie Minogue. Kylie became, um, like, the point of where people would make fun of her because of her uh, affiliation with Stock Aikman Waterman. But, you know, the... um, The results speak for themselves. Kylie became one of SAW's biggest artists. Her first 13 singles reached the UK top 10, and her debut single for them, I Should Be So Lucky, spent five weeks in the number one spot in the United United Kingdom. Her album Kylie, her debut album, was the highest selling album of Britain in 1988, and it was the fifth highest selling album of the entire decade. And this was at the end of the decade, which is crazy. But as with all good things, their run started to come to an end. Uh, February 1990 brought their last uh, UK number one single, which was Kylie's cover of Tears on My Pillow. In mid-1991, Matt Aiken left the team due to stress and Stock and Waterman carried on. Uh, But in late 1993, Mike Stock ended his partnership with Waterman um, and I guess like when the 90s hit, this 80s uh, pop sound kind of just went out the door. Um, acts like Black Box, Soul to Soul, Snap, they were also high energy, but it was funkier, it was harder, it was more adult in that it was more grown up. Uh, a huge, huge, huge portion of the stock Aikman-Waterman um fan base were kids, preteens. So like kids that were like 8 years old to like, you know, 13, 14, 15, they made a made up a huge portion of the whole Stock Aitken Waterman fan base. And once, you know, they grew up, they kind of grew out of it. And as well, once Kylie grew up, you know, she was um All of, you know, she was like the sweet girl next door, bubbly, bubbly, cute, like really demurely dressed, but you know, she wanted to get sexier and start wearing like shorter shorts and wear makeup and like show more flesh. And that kind of aged her out of that preteen fan, fan base. And that was kind of like the end of the Saw empire. So it didn't run for very long. It ran for like three solid years, but it was like, they, they had just song, like hit songs on the charts for those entire three years, which is crazy. Um, Stock Aikman Waterman reunited in 2005 to release a CD and DVD album titled Stock Aikman Waterman Gold, but the reunion was short lived. And then in December of 2015, the guys made their return as a trio of producers and they produced a remix for Kylie Minogue's uh, Christmas song, Every Day's Like Christmas. So um, they hit it big and then they went away. And now, you know, and then they recently came back to do uh, a fun remix for Kylie, which, you know, again, one of their biggest stars. And I loved that they did that. So that's kind of like the Saw story in a nutshell. Now, there is a documentary that was uh, produced by ITV in, in the UK that is uh, titled uh, The Hit Factory, The Stock Aikman-Waterman Story, and it is available uh, for watch in full on YouTube. Um, so I'm going to play you um, an intro clip from that documentary that gives you a nice little overview of what the documentary is all about and will uh, hopefully inspire you to want to watch the documentary when you're finished listening to this podcast and listening to my playlist. So here is that clip now. Okay, sorry, I had to do that. I had to throw in a Rickroll because obviously um, Rick Astley's song, Never Gonna Give You Up, is is now mostly known as that annoying song that Rickrolls and surprise, surprises you when you're expecting to hear one thing, but you hear this instead. And, um, I mean, come on, if I'm doing a, a podcast episode about stock Aikman Waterman, I gotta throw in a Rickroll, so sorry i love you all right here is um the actual clip from the actual itv documentary that i want you to listen to now 25 years ago the powerhouse production team of stock aiken and waterman launched their record label pwl and were at the top of their game. No one could ignore the success. They seemed to get up in the morning, in the afternoon, the team had written a hit. It was hit, after hit, after hit. It was like they had a gold wand and everything they touched just turned to gold. The year was 1987. They'd taken Mel and Kim to the top of the charts. We were living the dream, basically. It was brilliant. You... And made northern lad Rick Astley into an international superstar. Everybody thought this was black guy from Chicago and soon a soap star called Kylie would help turn their hit factory into a brand of British pop that for the next three years would dominate the charts Yeah, uh so I watched that documentary. It's really really great. I really love these these documentaries that ITV and BBC puts out. So it's 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 really really good. It's great. Some of the information that I will talk about in this in this podcast episode uh, is from that documentary. Um, but most of this stuff is um, song facts that are unique to each individual song. So, all right, let's get to it. Um, the playlist that I have compiled for this episode features some of my favorite songs of all time, which are obviously written by Stock Aikman Waterman, and um, really give a good sense of of where my fandom comes from, from the very beginning of, like, my music, uh, my my life as a music fan. Um, I have thrown in a few songs that um, either I had never heard before or, um, I mean, I don't necessarily love, but they are very important songs to the Stock Aikman-Waterman story. So I felt like they were... Um, worthy of being included on this playlist. So, okay, let's get to it. Track 1 is You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. Um it it, it was from their 1985 album Youthquake. Uh it was released as a single in 1984 and it reached number 1 in the UK on March in March of 1985. It took 17 weeks to get to the number 1 spot. It was their fir- it was the first UK number 1 hit. Uh, by the stock Aikman-Waterman production trio. And on the U.S. Billboard chart, it peaked at number 11 on um, August 17th of 1985. Um, you Spinning Me Around is one of the like best songs of the 80s it is very, very famously um, the biggest hit that Dead or Alive ever had, at least to me. And I do think that that's true here in the US. It's the biggest hit. It's the one that people most know about. The video was cool. Um, You know, Pete Burns, you know, he was very um, gender fluid and with the big hair and the makeup and the long fingernails. And it was very confusing to me as a child. But I gravitated towards it because I loved the song, I loved the visuals. And even though, you know, you're kind of conditioned to think, "Oh, it's weird when guys wear makeup." Like the 80s was a very different time cuz like new wave um and even heavy metal uh, artists, you know, guys wore makeup and women's clothing and teased hair, you know, big big um hairsprayed hair. So it kind of just fit into that whole thing that was going on in the 80s, and I loved it. Track two is Brand New Lover, also by Dead or Alive. It was the lead single from the band's third album, Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know. Um, The song was more successful in the U.S. and in Japan than it was in the U.K. In the U.K., it only reached number 31, in the U.S., Brand New Lover peaked at number 15 on the Billboard chart, um, and it's the band's second and last single to reach top 20. It it spent two weeks at number one on the American dance chart in December of 1986. Um, Brand New Lover, great song, sounds very similar to You Spin Me Around, which is, I think, why I liked it so much, and was my first taste of... Why I think I like so many stock Aikman Waterman songs is because they all sound, if not the same, very, 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 very similar. Track three is The Locomotion by Kylie Minogue. The song was originally recorded by Little Eva in 1962, and it went to number three here in the U.S. when Kylie released it. It was definitely my introduction to Kylie Minogue. Um... You know, she was a huge soap opera star in Australia, and she was very popular there. Of course, in the United States, we'd never heard heard of her. Um, but I immediately became obsessed with her debut album, Kylie. I loved every single song and would listen to that cassette tape over and over and over on a portable tape player that I had. Um, I, you know, I would go for, you know, rides with my parents, and I'd be in the back seat. I remember I'd be, like, on the floor with, like all my cassette tapes and toys and my tape player on the seat like spread out like a table and i would i just remember playing kylie so much like over and over and over again we would go to church all the time and i did not love that but i would listen to kylie on the way there on the way back over and over and over again um so when kylie Teamed up with Stock Aikman Waterman. She had released the locomotion on Mushroom Records in Australia, but she wanted to like have like obviously a a better, a bigger career. So she came to London and she approached, you know, the trio and they re-recorded her song. So she re-recorded the locomotion, retitled The Loco Motion with a dash in it and um put together the rest of her record and then that's how she had her massive massive success so you know for the longest time i never understood what what the difference was between the locomotion and the locomotion with the little dash in 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 it and now i know yes. because the locomotion with the dash version is the one that uh stock Aikman waterman produced for kylie to re-record when they started her their career together. Um, track four is I Should Be So Lucky, also by Kylie Badogue. It was released in 1987 and it went to number one in the UK, in Europe, and other places in the world. It went to number 28 in the US on the US singles chart, but to number 10 on the US dance club chart. Uh, and it was the debut single for the PWL record label. So, you know, up until this point, Stock, Aikman, Waterman, had been writing songs and producing for other record labels, and they decided to finally, you know, launch their own record label. Kylie was their first uh, artist, and um, I Should Be So Lucky was the first single that they ever released, and it uh, went straight to number one in the UK, which is genius. Track five, uh, Got To Be Certain, uh, also by Kylie. So these three songs were all from Kylie's... um, Uh, debut album. Uh, It was released as a second single from Kylie. And uh, it's one of the few songs that were recorded for her debut album in Melbourne, Australia. So most of her songs were recorded in London, where the British songwriting team, production team were based. But this is one of the songs that they recorded, uh, that she recorded in Melbourne. It was originally written for Mandy Smith, And remember how I mentioned, like, so, you know, they they would put the song together, and the only thing missing would be the vocal, and it was originally intended to be a Mandy Smith song. So she recorded the vocal, and it existed as her song, but then, for some reason, it just didn't work out. So they took out the Mandy Smith vocal, they put in uh, the Kylie vocal, and then it became Kylie's song. Um... Uh, This Got To Be Certain, uh, again, one of my favorites, but only because I knew it from the album as an album track, not because it was released as a single, because Got To Be Certain was not released as a single in the US. It's No Secret was released here instead. But I also love It's No Secret. But because I can't have this whole entire playlist be nothing but Kylie, I couldn't put everything. Otherwise, I would have put every single song from Kylie's debut album because I love every single song And every single song was written by Stock, Aikman Waterman. Um, Track six, Hand on Your Heart by Kylie Minogue, was released as the lead single from her second album, Enjoy Yourself. It went to number one in the UK, uh, number four in Australia, uh, and was not released as a single in the US. So by this time, by this point, um, Kylie had a, you know, she had some hits in the US, so Uh, everyone of like my generation remembers Kylie from like the late eighties, but then she kind of like fell away because music changed and she kind of just, you know, fell out of the American radio mindset. Um, But she continued to release stuff in the rest of the world and have success. Obviously Um, track seven is what do I have to do uh, by Kylie Minogue. Uh, It's the third single released from her third album, rhythm of love. Uh, And it was a hit song in the UK and Australia. It was number six in the UK and number 11 in Australia. Um, But by this time, Kylie was pretty much not a presence uh, in American pop music anymore. It wasn't until she released her song, Can't Get You Out of My Head in 2001, that Kylie Minogue had another hit in the United States. But, you know, as I was, um, you know, I was becoming a teenager in the 90s, And listening to Paula Abdul, of course, I was listening to like Nine Inch Nails and like all of that industrial harder stuff, but I never forgot Kylie. I never did. And while the rest of America forgot her, I did not. And I would go to Harmony House Records in Royal Oak, Michigan. And because that was the place that had like the best import records. So I would go there and I would get import records by Tori Amos. I would get import records by, you know, other, you know, 90s acts. And I would always check the Kylie Minogue section, and she always had new records and new singles that were being released in England and in Australia, but were not being released here in the US. So I bought her records as imports. You know, they were a little more expensive, but worth it. So I have been a Kylie Minogue fan since the beginning for real. Um, and was ecstatic when she, you know, had her quote-unquote comeback in 2001 with her Fever album and how massive Can't Get You Out of My Head was as a worldwide hit. So, yeah, I've been a Kylie Minogue fan from the beginning. So, yeah. Um, okay, so those are the Kylie Minogue songs that are on this playlist. So um, again, like I said, I could have filled this whole playlist up with nothing but Kylie Minogue songs, but there are other Stock Aikman, Waterman songs that we have to get to. So track eight is Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Uh, The song was released as the first single from Astley's debut album, Whenever You Need Somebody in 1987. The song was a worldwide number one smash hit initially uh, in the United Kingdom in 1987, where it stayed at the top of the chart for five weeks and was the best-selling single of the year. It was so big, it he knocked Michael Jackson out of the top spot when he, like, blasted to number one and, like, just stayed there for, like, five weeks. It topped the charts in 25 countries, including the United States. Um, so... You know, I loved the song back then. So just like I loved Kylie's album, I loved Rick Astley's album. And his cassette tape was another one of those cassette tapes that I would play over and over and over again. So, like, 1987, 1988, before I, you know, I knew anything about Paula Abdul, after my obsessions with, like, Madonna had cooled, Kylie and Rick Astley kind of filled that void for me. And it's just funny talking about it now because I just remember being such a little kid and being so into this music, but it's true. My age demographic at the time, you know, like 10, 12, 11, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, we were the ones who were obsessed with this music. And which is why, um, those, uh, artists and the, and this, this production trio were so successful. Um, in more recent years, uh, Never gonna get you up is famous for the Rick Rolls that we all know about. Um, Rick Rolling originally started by users on 4chan uh, in May of 2007, and the practice achieved notoriety on the internet and it an increased in popularity after its use as a 2008 April Fool's joke by uh, various media companies and websites, including YouTube, which Rick Rolled all of its featured videos on that day and websites, allowing people to think they were gonna watch a music video and it was Rick Astley, or think they were gonna watch a commercial and it was Rick Astley. And it was always this song. Um, In in 2008, uh, the Macy's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, um, Rick rolled the entire country when uh, a song performed on a float promoting the Cartoon Network program Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Stopped and then immediately kicked into "Never Gonna Give You Up," and then Rick Astley popped out of the float and lip synced his song on national television. It was genius. I absolutely remember when it happened, and I loved it. So, and this was all before memes were a thing. Um, So, you know, the Rick rolling and you know Rick Astley's "Never Gonna Give You Up" predates all of meme culture in a brilliant interactive way. Um, not only did media companies Rick roll and surprise um, consumers, but like people would do it to each other, kind of like, um, so I'm like, oh, look, I'm gonna play you this one thing, like I was gonna play that clip, and then it turns out to be um, Rick Astley's never gonna give you up. Last thing about this song, I got to see Rick Astley in concert here in LA uh, a few years ago when he played the Troubadour, and uh, it was honestly a dream come true having been a fan of his for so long getting to see him perform the song live he sang it live he played drums um he came out after the show and he signed autographs and took pictures with every single person who stayed he was so nice um he signed my vinyl record i have the his vinyl record whenever you need somebody And he signed it for me and we have a picture together and it honestly was one of my favorite concert going nights. So yeah, I love this song. I love Rick Astley. I love that stock Aikman Waterman wrote and produced it and that's why it's on this playlist. Track nine is Together Forever, the Lover's Leap remix by Rick Astley. Um, This was Astley's second and final number one song in the US. It reached number two in the United Kingdom. Um, and it did not get to number one in the UK because Kylie's debut single, I Should Be So Lucky, was number one at the time. So it's it's funny that um, Rick did not get a second number one because Kylie Minogue kept him from that number one spot with another stock Aikman Waterman song. That's kind of how it was at that time. There were so many stock Aikman Waterman songs that they were either, you know, going up the charts together, or passing each other up and down on the charts, or they were blocking each other from the number one's position because they were all so popular at the same time. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, Together Forever has been used to rickroll someone who knows about rickrolling. So if, if, if you were going to rickroll someone and you know that they were going to expect to hear never going to give you up, people tend to use Together Forever instead. So they get rickrolled with a rickroll. Um, primarily because Together Forever sounds a lot like never going to give you up. And the last thing I want to say about this is uh, many years ago now when the Turntable FM um, website was active where you could log on and like DJ your own songs in a, in a room with, with other friends and I have so many friends from the Turntable world that I'm still in contact with and now that I'm talking about it for sure I have to mention I'm going to do an episode a podcast episode on Turntable at some point, so stay tuned for that. But Together Forever was one of the my favorite songs to play when I was DJing on Turntable. Of course I would play other songs, like other great hit pop songs. Um, and of course people love to play Never Gonna Give You Up because a lot of rickrolling happened on Turntable. Um, and I think that's why um, I gravitated more towards the Lover's Leap remix of Together Forever because it was a little bit more fresh and unique than Never Gonna Give You Up. Um, Track 10 and the final song from Rick Astley on this playlist is uh, Whenever You Need Somebody, uh, which uh, was the title track for his debut album. Uh, The song was originally written for an English singer called Okai Brown uh, and was released in November of 1985. Uh, it became a minor hit for Brown uh, in the UK singles chart, uh, but it peaked only at number ninety-seven. The single was was later released in nineteen eighty-six in the in the U.S. Um, and it, it hit number one in the dance charts, but it did not chart at all on the Billboard singles chart. Um, the song was later included on Brown's studio album released in nineteen eighty-six. Then they decided, um, well, let's give Rick Astley a shot with this song that we think should should be bigger than it was. And uh, Rick Astley recorded the vocal, they plugged him in to the song, and it would become the title track and second single from his multi-million selling debut album. It became a hit in Europe in the wake of the success of Never Gonna Give You Up, and it reached number one in seven countries. It was not released as a single in the U.S., uh, but like I said, um, it represented um, Rick Astley's album as one of my favorites. Now, I will admit, I don't love every single song on Rick Astley's record like I do love every single song on Kylie's record, but like I said, in 1987, 1988, The only thing I listened to pretty much was Kylie Minogue and Rick Astley and their songs that were written and produced by Stock Aikman Waterman. Okay, track 11 on this playlist is Venus by Bananarama. Venus had been part of Bananarama's repertoire for several years before they actually recorded it. The group's three members, Sarah Dallin, Siobhan Fahey, and Karen Woodward, had the idea of turning the song into a dance music tune. So it's originally um, a song that uh, is like a 60s rock song, and they decided they wanted to turn it into a dance song. But the producers at the time did not think that it would be a good dance song, so they were not interested in doing that with them. So Bananarama brought the idea to stock Aikman Waterman, and it became their first collaboration with the team um you know the guys stock aikman waterman also resisted the idea because they did not think that venus would make a good dance record but the women insisted saw relented and uh venus peaked at number one in the united states australia finland new zealand switzerland and south africa and it reached number two in germany It went top 10 in Australia, Belgium, Canada, France, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, Sweden, uh, and it went to number 8 in the United Kingdom. And it topped the U.S. dance disco chart for two weeks. So clearly the ladies of Bananarama knew what they were talking about, and clearly they were able to get Stock Aikman Waterman to use their magic to take their idea and make it a worldwide smash. Track 12 is I Heard a Rumor by Bananarama, so it's the second Bananarama song on this playlist. Um, it's from their fourth album, Wow, which was released in 1987. Uh, I Heard a Rumor peaked at number 14 in the United Kingdom, and it was one of their biggest singles in the United States, reaching number four on the U.S. Hot 100. It was also a hit in nightclubs, reaching number three on the Billboard Dance Club Songs chart. Um, and Pete Waterman names I Heard a Rumor as one of his favorite songs. So of all the songs that they've written and produced, Um, I Heard a Rumor by Bananarama is one of his favorites. Track 13 is In Love with Love by Debbie Harry. It's uh, a 1987 song recorded by Debbie Harry of Blondie. It was taken from her second solo album, Redbird. I'm sorry, her second solo album, Rockbird. Rockbird and was released as the third single from that record. Lyrically, the song is said to be a sequel to Blondie's Heart of Glass, according to Debbie Harry. The song was released on May 9th, 1987, and was to date her only solo single to reach number one on the U.S. dance chart. The U.S. single version of In Love with Love was remixed and produced by Stock Aikman Waterman. Track 14, uh, is Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now by Samantha Fox. It was released as the first single from Samantha's uh, eponymous second album, Samantha Fox, in the spring of 1987. The single became Samantha's third and final top 10 single in the United Kingdom, uh, and it peaked at number eight uh, in June. In the United States, the single was released in the fall of 1987 and reached only number 80 that October but it was a top 10 hit in Europe and it reached number 22 in Australia. Um I believe Stock aikman Waterman produced other Samantha Fox songs including um again these 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 artists released multiple or more than one song produced by Stock aikman Waterman because they they were so prolific and they were so, you know, almost guaranteed to be hits. So again, that's why there are multiple songs uh, by the same artist on this playlist because some of my favorite artists released multiple songs that were written and produced by Stock Ape and Waterman. But this is the only song um by Samantha Fox that I was that I was able to include on this playlist. Track 15 is This Time I Know It's For Real by Donna Summer it was released by it was recorded by donna summer and released in february on february 13th 1989 as the first single from her album another place in time the whole album was written and produced by stock Aitken waterman and although donna summer did have a hand in writing the song um it was a worldwide smash it became summer's biggest hit in the uk since the 1970s during which time she had been the most popular female disco artist Um, Reaching number three and spending a total of 14 weeks in the top 75. Longer than any of her other singles in the UK. It reached number seven in both the US and Canada. It was certified gold and it was her 14th and final top 10 hit as well as the last top 40 hit of Summer's career. So it's kind of like the end of her music career, but it was a resurgence because she had such a huge... Uh, career in the 70s as a disco queen and then she was able to kind of reinvigorate and return to the top of the charts at the end of the 80s um as uh, you know a dance pop artist. Track 16 is That's What Love Can Do by Boy Crazy. It was released in 1991 as Boy Crazy's debut single. Uh, the song did not become a hit. It peaked at only 86 in the UK. Um But at the end of 1992, the song became successful in North American nightclubs, and then Radio Airplay soon followed, which prompted the song to be re-released in early 1993. For the reissue, the song was remixed. Uh, and it was a success this time around, becoming this group's signature song. It peaked at number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, and it reached number one in pop airplay on the radio and records pop chart, and number two on the top 40 mainstream chart. In the UK, it still was not a big hit, though, peaking again only at number 80. Uh, but it's one of my favorite uh, Stock Aikman Waterman songs. And I still listen to it regularly to this day. I have a playlist in uh on my iPod that's in my bathroom and I have like this dancey dance pop uh, playlist for showers whenever I just want to like have like songs to dance to in in the shower and uh, that's what love can do by boy Crazy is on that playlist. It's been on that playlist for years, and I love it to this day. Track seventeen is good Times with Bad Boys. Also by Boy Crazy, the song was originally released in February of 1992 as the B-side to the group's second single, "All You Have to Do." And it was later increased. I'm sorry, it was later included on their self-titled album and released as a single in May of 1993 as a follow-up to "That's What Love Can Do." Unfortunately, the song was not a hit, peaked only at number 59 on the U.S. Billboard chart. Uh, the single was never released in the U.K. Uh, but it was issued in some countries in Europe and Asia, uh, and it was the last release for the group. So again, by like ninety two, ninety three, the whole uh, stock Aikman-Waterman formula was kind of falling out of vogue, and it was no longer popular. Track 18 is Success by Segway Segway Sputnik. Um, it peaked at number 31 in late 1988, um, and it... It was a hit because the band had released um, a more well-known song by, that was produced by Giorgio Moroder titled Love Missile F-111, which was featured in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So Love Missile F- F-111 was a hit, and then the stock Aikman Waterman uh, written and produced song Success was released, and it was a minor hit uh, in 88 for... Um, segue segue sputnik now again this is a song that i didn't necessarily know or i don't necessarily love but it's kind of integral to the whole stock Aikman, waterman story so i felt like it was important to include it here as well as track number 19 you think you're a man by divine it was the first single produced by stock Aikman, waterman to reach the uk top 75 chart peaking at number 16 in August of 1984 and number 14 on the Irish Singles Chart. Um, Divine, at the time, was known as the world's greatest drag queen, and she was already, you know, a popular actress, you know, for B-movies. She'd released other singles, apparently, um, and this song was originally intended for Gloria Gaynor, but it was you know, ultimately given to Divine and sung with her, like, deep vocals. And it was a surprise hit. And it's the song that kind of started the whole Stock Aikman Waterman story to begin with. So for that reason alone, I thought it, it warranted inclusion on this playlist. And finally, track 20 um, is Every Day's Like Christmas by Kylie Minogue. So I had to put another Kylie Minogue song on because this is a newer song. Uh, it was taken from her 13th studio album and her first holiday album, Kylie Christmas, in 2015. The song was written by Chris Martin of Coldplay, who sings backup, and the remix was done by Stock Aikman Waterman as the third single from the album on December 2nd, 2015. This was Stock Aikman-Waterman's first collaboration in more than 20 years after all of their stuff had fallen apart, and it was their first collaboration with Minogue since her 1991 single, Shocked. So, there you have it. Those are the Stock Aikman-Waterman songs that were written, produced, and or remixed by the trio. Um, Most of them are among my favorite songs. I hope you enjoy them. There's one more thing I want to add at the end of this uh, episode. The metal band Judas Priest recorded a cover of You Are Everything by The Stylistics with Stock Aikman Waterman. So, as I understand it, the metal band partnered up with Stock Aikman Waterman in the 80s to try and do something different. They wanted to stay metal, but they kind of wanted a hit, I suppose. So they worked with Stock Aikwin Waterman. They recorded a few records and this cover, but they're, they've they never been heard. They've never been released. For whatever reason, it's my understanding that once word got out that Judas Priest was working with these, you know, the hit factory Stock Aikman Waterman, the press and the 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 word of mouth was so bad, they decided that they were never going to release this music because they were afraid it was going to ruin their careers. Um singer rob helfer told the new york post that he'd love to release the songs uh, but there's a different consensus within the band he wanted to release the songs but the band decided they didn't want to he says our rendition of you are everything is just beautiful it's an 80s mega rock ballad with big drums big vocals sweeping strings people are a lot more open-minded now whereas in those days it could have created a bit a bit of a pushback maybe even some damage to a reputation. We signed a piece of paper that says, when we're all dead, they can release them, Halford joked to the Aquarian. Personally, I love those songs. They're fucking great. We've never been afraid to try everything. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And the the exercise of those songs totally worked. But they were completely wrong for us, if that makes any sense. So that's kind of what Rob Halford has to say about, um, the stock Aikman Waterman songs that were written and produced for Judas Priest. And I'm very happy to share that in the past few years, the demo version of the Judas Priest cover of You Are Everything by The Stylistics leaked to the internet. So there is a clip of the demo that is out there and I'm going to play it for you right now. So this is Judas Priest covering The Stylistics a version of the song that was produced by Stock Aikman Waterman. Have a listen. you have it. Um, while it might seem a little unconventional to do a whole podcast episode about a songwriting production team, I think you will agree with me by the mere fact that this trio, uh, this trio, saw the Hit Factory wrote, produced, remixed some of the greatest songs from the late '80s. Started the careers of some of the biggest artists in the world. And, you know, you don't have that many hits, that many number one songs, if you're not good at what you do. And these guys were amazing songwriters. Um, They recorded and released their own music, so they were performers as well. Clearly, they were genius businessmen starting their own production company and their own record label to much success. So... So like I said, yeah, I've been, I've been um, kicking around this idea for a few weeks now and putting together some of my favorite Stock Aikman Waterman songs. And I thought that now that we know that Kylie Minogue is gonna release new music, it reminded me of why I love Kylie in the first place. And it goes all the way back to the late 80s and the huge success of Stock Aikman Waterman. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you will enjoy the playlist that uh, is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify. And uh, if you have the time and you are still interested in learning more about Stock Aikman-Waterman, go to YouTube and search for The Hit Factory, The Stock Aikman-Waterman Story. Uh, It's about 46 minutes long. It's a great ITV-produced documentary about the production team. And that's all I have for you this week. You have a great week, and I will be coming at you next time. Each episode of Spooky Electric has a playlist that I have created for each individual episode. The playlist can be found on my Spotify account, Trent Venegas, in the playlist folder titled Spooky Electric. The playlist track listings are listed on the Spooky Electric Instagram at Spooky Electric, where the O's are zeros, S-P-0-0-K-Y-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C.